Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? To be honest, I have been having a little food drama here lately. As I mentioned last week, I am using a carnivorous-ish, being key here, but a carnivorous dietary approach to see if that helps my body calm down the Hashimoto's situation. You know, like the Taylor Swift song says, you need to calm down. You being too loud. I always sing that to my kids, but that's what I want to sing to my antibodies, to these antibodies in my body. They're too high. They're being too loud. They're being mean to my thyroid and I need them to chill. I need my immune system to calm down and we can help a situation like this by changing the diet and taking out a lot of the common food triggers that get the immune system riled up. So that's what I'm doing. I'm using this carnivorous approach because it takes out a lot of the common triggers. So what this means is I'm eating a lot of meat. A lot of meat. Now I still eat carbs, but the variety is very, very limited. So I'm about two weeks in so far and it's not easy. I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. And on day four, I hit what I called a meat wall. Like I hit the wall. Like I am sick of meat. And I shared this with my Christian Health Club members because they're witnessing me go through this, right? And I'm posting my food and just kind of sharing with them as I go. And so I'm going to share with you something I posted uh, on this day. I hit the meat wall in the group. And it's kind of a little bit of stream of conscience. So just bear with me as I go through it here. Okay, it says, I've hit the meat wall, the newness has worn off, and I keep looking in the fridge because I'm bored with meat. But that's a thought I had to explore, bored with meat, bored with food. I want variety. Why do I want variety? It's more fun, party in the mouth. But is that my goal here, fun food or healing foods? Why am I doing this? I had to dig deep y'all, and it's not like I'm only eating meat. I just had cantaloupe and it was so delicious, but look what I did. Okay. I'm going to break in here to my little stream of conscious post and tell you what I did. So I made these, um, cacao butter and honey bombs, kind of like a fat bomb, but not because it has honey, which is allowed on a carnivorous diet. And I posted the pics in the, in the club, in the group. Okay. And so I said, okay, look, look what I did here. I'm already trying to push the boundaries and see what I can get away with. The cacao butter is basically a hunk of fat. You know, it looks like white chocolate, but it's not. It's got this greasy mouthfeel. And it's not technically on the list, but I have my reasons for adding it. Mostly the stearic acid is good for the metabolism, and I need enough fat to balance out the protein. I'm not going for keto. I'm eating too much fruit for that. 
anyway, um, but on its own, the cacao butter is not great. So I was like, what if I melt it with honey and make a little treat? See, I'm already looking for treats and what I can get away with and concoct from these available ingredients. This is one of the reasons I didn't want to do the autoimmune protocol, because you can still have certain flowers and there are plenty of AIP desserts out there, just like paleo desserts, just like keto desserts. And I don't want my focus to be on what concoctions I can get away with and still be compliant. And yet, that is just what I did. I'm not going to beat myself up about it, but I'm just being aware and questioning my motives and learning about myself. Like I said, carnivorous is more limited but straightforward in my opinion. I'm not doing it perfectly by any means, but that's okay. Just cutting out the dairy and eggs and the nuts thus far are huge wins for me. Anyway, I'm just brain dumping here as I walk through this experiment. Discipline around food is hard, no matter where we are in the process. We are all just trying to work through it. I encourage you to monitor your brain as you go through it. Remember that our thoughts create our results. Relationship with food is really about the relationship with yourself. Okay, so that is what I brain dumped on my Christian Health Club members um, who are watching me go through this experiment. And it was really the inspiration for today's podcast, because pretty much all of us can relate to this difficulty in making changes to our diet. We're about to start Feast to Fast in May. And for the new people coming in and doing the sugar talks that first week, it's the same feeling. It doesn't matter where you are in your health journey, whether you're a first-time sugar detoxer or feast-a-faster or a seasoned nutritionist tweaking her diet. Um, Eliminating foods from your diet is hard. We don't like it. Our brains resist it. It creates a whole lot of mind drama. And that, my friend, is the fascinating point here. The rubber meets the road in our brains. This is why we spend some time in the Christian Health Club learning self-coaching skills. Um, And I encourage everyone to use those on an ongoing basis because our relationship with food doesn't start in our mouths. It starts in our brains. And that is where we have to go. When I was standing in front of the fridge wanting something aside from meat, (laughs) I asked myself why. And the thought that immediately popped into my head was because I'm bored. Meat is boring. The food on this diet is boring. Maybe you've had similar thoughts when you're doing a sugar detox or trying to go gluten-free or doing an elimination diet like I'm doing. It all basically boils down to the fact that we want something different than we can have. We feel limited or deprived. It's funny because I was thinking of everybody who is going to be coming into Feast to Fast and that first week is a sugar detox and people can feel limited. But from where I'm sitting right now at this point, I'm like, oh my gosh. I would kill for that variety right now. You get to have any vegetable or fruit in the whole wide world. And you get to have eggs and cheese and nuts. That is pure luxury, my friends. But see, it's all relative. And that relativity happens in the brain. You know, and that also applies to how long you're doing something. You know, so one week of sugar detoxing seems like an absolute drop in the bucket compared to doing a three-month elimination protocol. But for the person in the middle of the sugar detox week, it can feel just as heavy and like an eternity. So the relativity of what we can have and what we can't have all comes down to perspective. And we even have to explore the notion of how we phrase what we can have. You know, quote unquote can. Because, I mean, I can have anything I want. 
I can have eggs and cheese and sweet potatoes and cookies if I want to. But I choose not to right now. This is a choice. I have to remind myself of that over and over. This is a choice. This is a choice. This is a choice. I am choosing this to help my body. I am choosing this so that I can try to avoid medication. I am choosing this for long-term health. I am choosing this for a reason, a reason that is important enough for me to close the fridge and go back to my meat. (laughs) As I was grappling with all of this in my brain, the Bible verse that flew into my head was this one from Romans 14, 17, which says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, this verse is really about the fact that what we eat or drink has no impact on our salvation, on our relationship with God. God loves us no matter what we eat. But again, you and I are here because we want what we eat to honor our bodies as holy temples that feel well so that we can serve well, so that we don't miss a second showing up to this amazing life And certainly not wasting precious moments of this amazing life obsessing about food. But if I'm not careful, that is how this dietary experiment could go. And I don't want to let food become an idol, whether that means I'm obsessing over what I can't have or obsessing over what I can have and making all of it the center of my life. That is what many of us do. You know, we allow this stuff to take up too much real estate in our minds. We let food and our weight and our aches and our pains take up so much of our bandwidth that we miss thinking about the more important things, like our relationship with God, like all of our blessings, like the dreams that we have. We want to give the biggest portion of our brains to righteousness, to love, to joy, to peace, to God. We want that space filled with the good things of the Lord and not mind drama about food. We waste so much of our lives, so many of us do, waste so much of our lives on food and dieting, just kind of wandering in this wilderness, circulating that same mountain, just like the Israelites did, you know, and they had their own version of food drama when they were wandering in the wilderness for those 40 years. Talk about no variety. So listen to this passage from Exodus, where the Israelites are in the desert, complaining to Moses and Aaron about their food situation. They said, It would have been better if the Lord had just killed us in the land of Egypt. At least there we had plenty to eat. We had all the food we needed. But now you have brought us out here into this desert to make us all die from hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will cause food to fall from the sky. This food will be for you to eat. Every day the people should go out and gather the food they need for that day. Okay, so we know that the food... God caused to fall from the sky was this manna. The Bible says it was like coriander seed that fell with the dew and the Israelites would gather it, grind it, boil it, and make it into thin wafers, which apparently tasted like honey wafers baked in olive oil. So that was their food. They ate it for 40 years. Talk about little variety. Now, at one point, we read in Exodus that they were complaining about not having any meat. Apparently, there were some outsiders kind of hanging around with the Israelites. It's funny because one translation calls them worthless foreigners, and another translation calls them riffraff. And I just think that's so funny. But, uh, you know, the point is these outer people started complaining, and it was contagious, and the Israelites started complaining. So see, we always have to be aware of the company we're keeping. 
But it says in the Bible that the Israelites began moaning, we don't have any meat. In Egypt, we could eat all the fish we wanted. And there were cucumbers and melons and onions and garlic. But we're starving out here. And the only food we have is this manna. And God was like, oh, you want some meat? I'll give you some meat. So God told Moses, as for the Israelites, I have heard them complaining about not having meat and about being better off in Egypt. So tell them to make themselves acceptable to me because tomorrow they will have meat. In fact, they will have meat every day, day after day for a whole month, not just a few days or even 10 or 20. They turned against me and wanted to return to Egypt. Now they will eat meat until they get sick of it. Sometime later, the Lord sent a strong wind that blew quails in from the sea until Israel's camp was completely surrounded with birds, piled up about three feet high for miles in every direction. The people picked up quails for two days. Each person filled at least 50 bushels. Then they spread them out to dry. But before the meat could be eaten, the Lord became angry and sent a disease through the camp. After they buried the people who had been so greedy for meat, they called it the place, they called that place the graves for the greedy. Yikes. <laughs> it's kind of an intense passage there. There's so much to take from it. But I would say that the first thing is, is that they were not satisfied with the food that God had given them. It obviously met all of their nutritional needs. It sounded, sounds like it tasted good. I mean, little, like little honey cakes. But they wanted more. They wanted something different or something more than what God was providing. But in that time and place, it was all they needed. Now, we do the same thing. God gives us this beautiful, life-giving food from nature through plant and animal sources. And we're like, I want Doritos. I want donuts. I want Dairy Queen. And we turn up our noses at what God has given us. It's also interesting and kind of sad that the Israelites were basically like, we'd rather be in bondage and have the food we want than to be free in the Lord and be limited. I'm going to say that again. We'd rather be in bondage and have the food we want than to be free in the Lord and be limited because we do this exact same thing. We often choose to live in bondage with our weight and health issues and a death grip on our favorite foods rather than be free in the discipline of less variety. We have to explore why that is. You know, when I was standing there questioning myself in front of the fridge and thinking how meat is boring, what that really meant was that I wanted more of a, a party in the mouth, as I call it. You know, I wanted different tastes and flavors. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, food is a beautiful gift from God, meant to be appreciated and enjoyed. He could have made us without the need for food. Like, we could have been these breathing human beings that just run on air without a food requirement. Um, or just, you know, needing one food, like manna. But that's not how we're made. So the problem here is twofold. One that is, is that we often use food for entertainment, hence party in the mouth. Or as a comfort, you know, as a way to buffer or avoid feelings like sadness, boredom, frustration, guilt, all that. And I've talked about both of these issues here before. One is emotional eating. And again, that starts in our brains. We have to address emotional health to address body health. We have to be aware and make those connections and work through those times that we're using food as a buffer to avoid feelings. The other is the party in the mouth syndrome, 
where our taste buds and the pleasure receptors in our brain have a warped sense of what is pleasurable because we've been eating too many hyper palatable processed foods that manufacturers purposely make super sweet, super salty, super flavored so that we will keep coming back for more and more. Your taste buds and your brain actually get used to these overstimulating foods so that when you eat real food, like a piece of fruit instead of a cookie for dessert, your taste buds and your brain, they're like, this sucks. This is boring. And it's why you will constantly battle cravings if you don't reduce processed foods. Manufacturers put those intense chemicals and flavorings in there to keep you hooked, to keep your brain and your mouth wanting more, wanting the donut, the Doritos, the Dairy Queen, wanting the party in the mouth. But when you do a sugar detox or an elimination diet and get those foods out of your system, your taste buds and your brain recalibrate. They reset. They recognize the deliciousness, the flavor, the pleasure of real food. Now, does that mean you can't ever have a cookie or chips? Heck no. But you do have to keep it in check. You got to keep that heck in check. Now, nobody likes discipline, right? We don't like it when we're toddlers. We don't like it when we're teenagers, and we don't necessarily like it as adults. One of our anchor verses in Feast of Fast comes from Hebrews 12, 11. It says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Another one we focus on comes from Proverbs twenty five twenty eight, which says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Now, I have talked about both of those here before, but I think it's a good reminder that we need to remember there is safety in boundaries and making these boundaries for ourselves. It's why it's just the same reason that we're more relaxed when we turn our toddlers loose in an enclosed yard. You know, that boundary protects them from the danger of the street. They have boundaries, and it's easier for them to understand where it's safe and not safe to go. In essence, they have more freedom, right? They have freedom to run and play and operate within the safe space, as opposed to an open field where mom is constantly like, get back, yelling and nervous and yelling them in to get back and yanking them back. You know, that's not a pleasant experience. So without boundaries, it's just like this total free-for-all. And you just have to be so much more on guard. Think about it. So much more. And that's how it is in our diets. If we don't set boundaries and practice discipline for ourselves, nobody will. Sometimes it's harder when we don't have a parent or someone enforcing discipline or authority on us, you know, because we have to choose it for ourselves. There are plenty of people who enforce authority in our lives, police officers, our bosses, the government. But when it comes to diet, it's up to us. We don't have that higher authority telling us what to do. But what we do have is our creator, the maker of our bodies, who again, going back to Romans 14, 17, doesn't judge us by what we eat or drink, but loves us so much and wants us to use the gift of our bodies to live this life to the fullest and serve him well. The theme of the next round of Feast of Fast, which starts in about a week at the beginning of May, is purpose of the body. And I love this round. And I'm so great, very grateful uh, that it will be this constant focus for me as I go through this dietary discipline right now, you know, keeping things in perspective, focusing on appreciating the foods that I am eating instead of the ones I am not, remembering that this is a choice. 
getting encouragement and accountability from the group. I was kind of down on myself the other day because I drank some wine when I went out with my husband on a date night. And y'all, we just never go out for date nights. They're just, there's not a lot to do around here. But we had a party to go to and it was fun and I wanted some wine. And so I drank it. And so I was sharing in the group, kind of recapping my my food and then I drank that and I was kind of down on myself and I had a few people in the group jump in Rebecca and Dara and not let me focus on that you know they gave me a little pep talk um, which was so sweet and which I appreciate so much you know because our human brains they want to focus on what we've done wrong instead of what we've done right and again the word wrong is subjective here I mean wrong in whose eyes I made the choice it was mine you know to drink the wine Is it going to ruin this experiment I'm doing? I don't think so, you know, but it could if I let it be a big issue and think I'm a failure and throw my hands up and say, forget it, I've ruined it, it's over. That's what so many of us do instead of processing it and, you know, maybe getting a little encouragement from our, our friends and moving on. I promise you that every day of this experiment, I have had had thoughts like, this is dumb. I don't care if I have high antibodies. I don't want to do this. I'd rather eat my homemade bread and favorite crackers. Heck, even a sweet potato at this point and just deal with the consequences. (laughs) So I 100% understand wherever you are in your process of trying to eliminate foods that are not serving your best health. Again, no matter what level that's at, it doesn't matter because it feels real and heavy to each of us in the moment and presents its own kind of drama in the brain. I just have to keep focusing on why I'm doing this, that it's a choice, and that I want want to honor my body so that it's at its healthiest now and in the long term. And I was looking through all of the photos on my phone the other day, just trying to clean them up because I have a ridiculous amount on there. I don't, do y'all do that? It's just stupid. So many pictures. Anyway, um, I was going through so I could delete some. And as I was going through, I just, I saw these pictures of me doing things like coaching my daughter's softball team or playing tennis with my husband or hiking with my kids in Taos or snowshoeing with my boys in Taos. Um, There was a photo of me and my best friend being silly with our daughters. We were jumping off tables. There's one of me kissing my husband. There is a photo of me and my daughter in the ocean in Port Aransas. There was one of me teaching on a Zoom call. And I just looked at all those and I just wanted to cry in gratitude. You know, I'm trying not to cry right now. I just wanted to cry in gratitude for the way I am able to show up in life. You know, I feel good in and about my body. I have the energy and the confidence and the desire and the playfulness to experience life to the fullest without weight or lack of energy or lack of confidence or chronic illness or anything like that holding me back. And I want that to continue. But I want to have peace in this process of what I'm doing. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. As we move into the season of Pentecost, which is the time we celebrate the gift of getting the Holy Spirit, it is the perfect time to focus on the true purpose of the body. And that is what we will be doing in this round as we move through Feast to Fast. Again, my food is going to look a little different than it normally does, but it will still fit right into that Feast to Fast lifestyle. So I hope today's podcast um, has just given you just some perspective 
um, and really slow you down enough to deal with any kind of mind drama that you might be having pertaining to your health goal, whatever that is right now, even if it's not food elimination, if it's working out and uh, just trying to drink more water, go to sleep earlier, whatever it is, we got to work through that brain drama um, because we're always giving something up when we are trying to add a new aspect of health in our life. And so again, it all comes down to what's going on in your mind. But I would love to have you come join us in Feast of Fast. Um, we're starting, like I said, in about a week. And I also want to invite any health professional that is interested in teaching Feast of Fast to come join us for coach training. It is open. We are training coaches this round. Um, being able to help people through this program has been one of the most rewarding things in my life. I get messages of appreciation and people sharing their great results all the time, saying how what they have learned has changed their life and that in the way that they eat for forever and they say it's doable and sustainable and I think that's my favorite thing um, but I'm only one person and the more people that we can get on the ground focusing other Christians on more God and better health and giving them the tools to do that and to show up fully in life you know the better so I invite those of you interested with the health background to um, inquire about Feast to Fast coach training and um, all of you, come on in and focus on the purpose of the body for the month of May. Would love to have you. Um, thank you so much for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.